I really cannot believe we are filming a service in this room. As you look around, if you were here, there's not a single person behind me and it has been this way for 58 weeks. If you are a part of our church during the pandemic and you've never been in this building, it is a beautiful place. And I am so grateful that God would add to our family in such difficult circumstances. But if you were here prior to the pandemic, you would know that like clockwork, as scheduled, after every single service, I would say, I love you so much, put it in the chat, and I'll see you soon. And I remember last year, uh, during the first week of March, I said that exact same phrase that I've said countless Sundays in a row. I said, I love you so much and I will see you soon. And that was the first time that I wasn't telling the truth because the reality is I do love you, but I wouldn't see you soon. It would be 58 weeks before we could even think about what gathering looked like. And I just want to tell you that I am aware that it has been a hard 58 weeks, but it has been a fruitful one. You saw the video that we showed you of Derek. Derek got saved in a pandemic and there's countless stories that we could fill an entire service about all that we've done as a community. People have come to know the Lord. People gave sacrificially. We've been able to partner with organizations in our cities like never before. And so as I was praying for this year, I kind of sensed that Easter would be the time that God would begin to bring us back together. And the vision that I feel like the Lord put on our heart and it was confirmed as we prayed as as a team is rebuilding in strength, rebuilding in strength. And I want you to know that God has raised you up to be a builder of his house, not just the building. This was built a long time ago. But when I say his house, I mean each other. The Bible says together we are a house for God. And so I really believe that there's something stirring in you right now that wants to be more than a member. You want to be a builder. You want to see how God could use you. And so back in November, we had something that we wanted you to sign up for, take a survey, wanted you to become a builder. We've been having builders meeting for two weeks in a row, and you're going to get another opportunity to see how God would use you. On May 2nd, we are having another round of builders meetings, and you got to come. Many of you have been DMing me on Instagram talking about, hey, when are we gathering person? Come to the builders meeting and you will find out. You can sign up. Something's going to pop on the screen right now, but it is so important that you are not on the fringes of the miracle. I don't want you to just witness something. I want you to experience what God can do. And I believe together as a church, matter of fact, we are having a gathering. At, uh, as you watch this, a gathering is in motion. There are ones being planned. And as you fill out that survey and you say, hey, I wanna be a part, part of God's house and I wanna be a part of what God's doing, we can have you come because obviously capacity is limited right now. But at the same time, it's not just so you can come in person so that God can, can breathe and live on the inside of you and you can accomplish things that maybe you've been trying to take a swing at for years. It is interesting, today is Easter Sunday and my wife and I are just overwhelmed with gratitude at all that God has done, but yet also overwhelmed with excitement about all there is yet left to do. And I, I think all the time about the last year and all the bad news we got, we just got a lot of bad news. Uh, it started with, you know, for me, Kobe Bryant passing and then um, then all the racial injustice that happened last year. And then that 
absolutely insane psychotic election cycle that made you think you were living in some different world. And then just as like racial tension died down for what it seemed to be for black people, now you have um, my Asian friends and people being beat up, attacked and assaulted for no reason at all. And the media does a great job of making sure we know all about it. And it can be so overwhelming and we can kind of turn to like, I wonder what Pastor Julian's going to say about it. Or I wonder if my friend's going to post about it. And, and we can get so overwhelmed with bad news that we don't have the good news in our heart. And I want to tell you the most important sentence you could ever hear in your life. It is in Luke 24, chapter, uh, chapter 24, verses five and six. And uh, these were some people who were standing outside the tomb as Jesus was being resurrected. And it says, as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He is risen is the most important thing you could ever get. I know you're waiting on an email saying you got the promotion. I know you might be waiting on a post from a friend that says, hey, I saw what's going on with this. I understand that there is bad news happening all around us. And I tell you right now, my heart is broken. My Asian brothers and sisters, my heart is broken for you. My black brothers and sisters, my heart is broken for you. My heart is broken for the people of God. But the reality is the media always gives us bad news and I have come to give you good news. The reality is bad news sells, good news saves. I'm gonna say that again. Bad news sells, good news saves. So we cannot pay attention so much to what sells in this season we have to focus on what saves. Good news, man. Good news is that I'm forgiven. This is a weekend where we celebrate the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And there's other good news. I mean, some of the good news could be Chick-fil-A is now open on Sunday. That would be good news. I could get a Chick-fil-A biscuit. Clippers could win the NBA championship. That would be good news. Doesn't look great now that God plays for the Brooklyn Nets or whoever they just recently got. Like literally Jesus plays for the Brooklyn Nets now. It's like, it's not even fair. There's a lot of good news I can get and if I'm not careful, I find myself waiting for better news. Can I just tell you right now that I believe, especially of some of us living in L.A., we're all waiting for better news. Somebody's waiting for a text. You booked the audition. Somebody's waiting for a better, a better statement. Will you marry me? Maybe you've been waiting for your husband or your wife, whatever it is. Somebody's waiting for another stimmy to hit their bank account. I don't know what it is, but there is no greater news than these simple three words. He is risen. Because he is risen, you can rise. Because he is risen, hope can rise. Because he is risen, faith can rise. Because he is risen, salvation can come to God's people through faith in what all that Christ has done. And that's what this weekend is about. And I'm sorry, but not sorry that you can't come here and pet an Easter bunny. I'm sorry, but not sorry that you can't come here and see balloons. I'm sorry and not sorry that we don't have a photo booth. I'm sorry, not sorry that you couldn't see some cinematic commercial for Easter. But what I have no apology for is what I got and what is in my heart 
is good news. Christ saves. You are forgiven, set free of your sin. This is the gospel. Not that you can't come in person, but that Jesus showed up in person. The Bible says in John chapter one that Christ came and made his home among us. We don't celebrate whether or not we can come in person. This is a weekend where we celebrate Christ came in person. God in the flesh. Why? To live the life God said you and I are supposed to live and to take the punishment you and I are supposed to have for not doing so. I read in this one book that until we understand we deserve God's wrath, we will never be enamored with how much he loves us. The love was an exchange for the wrath. Christ took the wrath of God for you and I. And this is such good news. And yes, I'm praying for all the bad news. Yes, I'm praying for people of color. Yes, I'm praying for for uh, white people who have experiences in pain, too. Yes, I'm praying for all that's going on. Yes, I'm praying for the trial that's happening as I speak right now um, for the officer that killed George Floyd. Yes, I'm praying, but I'm tired of praying about bad news without the good news. I can't do that anymore. We can't do that anymore. This weekend is about a resurrection and the resurrection gives us an ability to know God. Paul said this in the Bible that I want to experience Christ's suffering so I can experience his resurrection. Isn't that weird? Paul was a weird guy. You know, so many of us say, if if God is real, then how come bad things happen to good people? And Paul is saying, God can only be real to me unless a bad thing happens to a good person. That helps me know God, because if I can experience his suffering, I will experience his resurrection. And the things that I go through help me know God. Man, this is good news this weekend. Somebody put in the chat. This is good news. There is no better news. I want to just share in the in the moments that I have left uh, simply around this thought, uh, a a resurrection and a rerouting, a resurrection and a rerouting. Routing. It's interesting uh, that we tend to call people who are not saved lost. And when a lost person uh, gets saved, they become found. And I really believe that this phrase lost is an interesting one. Even in the Bible, when uh, God shares a couple of parables, the lost coin, the lost sheep, um, the prodigal son, which simply means the lost son, God seems to relate uh, losing uh, someone uh, to, to what it means to be saved. And I've said this before, but it is powerful. If you feel far from God right now, uh, I remember being in Ikea. Um, I mean, I don't know where these people get this kind of property because when you go into Ikea, it just is endless. And just speaking, if you're watching from Ikea and you work for their executive department, it's time to do something about the unsharpened pencils I'm spending a thousand dollars and I have to place my order with an unsharpened stubby pencil. Can we get some laptops in there? Can we just get some like and I want to have the cinnamon rolls in the middle of the store. Does that make sense? Like I want to have the Swedish meatballs in the middle of the store because it is then when the famine hits because there's only one way in and one way out. Anyway, I don't want to rant. But one time I was with one of my kids. I don't remember which one. Actually, I was with one of my kids in Ikea and they walked off. And I just walked off and I found them about 15 seconds later and I was so upset 
Don't you ever walk off from your father again. And instantly I corrected them because they were only gone 15 seconds. But had I not found them for 15 years, when I found them again, I would not say, don't you ever walk off from your father again. I would be so happy to see them because they had been gone so long. So you might be here and you might say, hey, I feel like I've been far from God for years. And just like that story, I don't think God is saying, where have you been? Don't ever walk away from your father again. I think he's just happy to see you right there on line. This is good news. This is good news. A resurrection and a rerouting. Uh, many of us obviously know that Christ was raised from the dead. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you un probably understand that topic. Somebody might be on the Zoom. I mean, not Zoom. I've been way too many Zooms this week. Somebody might be in the chat going, really? He was raised from the dead? Yes, Christ was raised from the dead. And I'm going to read a passage of scripture about what happened uh, after Christ was raised from the dead. Uh, there was a resurrection and then Christ came in this passage of scripture and there was a rerouting. In Luke chapter 24, verses 30 through 35, 13 through 35, we're going to take a look at these passages. We might not make it through all of them. We'll see what the Lord does. But the first verse starts with the same day of Christ's resurrection. So this would be on a day like today, Easter Sunday. That, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Uh, by the way, this village of Emmaus, even if you go to Israel, I mean, people will try to give you a tour of where this this journey happened, but they really don't know. This town of Emmaus was so insignificant. Bible scholars, uh, no trade happened there. It was a very small village. And Bible scholars say that they believe it was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And the Bible says on verse 14 that Jesus showed up in this city as they walked along. They were talking about everything that had happened. I mean, all of Jerusalem, all of Israel knew that Christ had been crucified or I shouldn't say Christ because they weren't even sure he was the Messiah. They knew that Jesus, this guy they were relying on, had been killed. Verse 15 says, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Isn't this odd? At this point, Jesus has spent his whole life saying, follow me. And now in this moment, he's following them. They have walked away from Jerusalem, seven miles away from Jerusalem in a town of Emmaus. And Jesus has been resurrected in Jerusalem. We know that he would tell his disciples, wait here in Jerusalem and the power of God will come and you will be my witnesses to, to about who I am and what I have done. And so Jesus didn't wait with where he told the disciples to wait. He went after these two wayward followers headed in the wrong direction. I just find that so crazy that a God who said his whole life, follow me, is following them. That is the grace of God. And it says, as they talk and discuss these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. I just it's so hard to understand God. Why would God keep us from recognizing something? I do believe that sometimes God keeps us from recognizing things. I don't I don't know for sure, but sometimes it is because he is moving a community together to recognize something at the same time. I think so many times if he says, if you see it, you'll pursue it and you won't follow me. So many times if you'll see it, you'll mess it up. Let me just not show it to you quite yet. And then Jesus, the savage that he is, he says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? 
I mean, he obviously knew what they were discussing because he knew it was intently. And he's just like, kind of like when God was walking in the garden, he said, Adam, where are you? He knew where Adam was. He said, so what are you guys talking about? This is God. Imagine you're having a conversation. God's like, so what are you guys talking about? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas. God, that is a strong name. Uh, Pastor Nelson is over here and um, he's just probably thinking that I wish I would have named my son Cleopas. He had two opportunities. He has two little boys, uh, Jackson and Fitz, and he missed his shot because I probably didn't hear that this biblical name Cleopas was in the Bible. Can you imagine that? Cleopas Luna. Oof. This guy's something. He's going to be something. It'd be something. Cleopas replied. <laughs> you must be the only person in Jerusalem. Look at the dishonor and disrespect. This is how people talk to me around here sometimes. You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? <laughs> Jesus, it happened to him. Jesus like, so tell me more. What things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was more than a prophet. He was God. He was more than a good man. He was God. He was more than someone God sent to set as an example. He is. He was God. He is God. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And they said he was. John chapter eight, verse 58. Jesus answered someone's question and said, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am uh, people. This is what discouragement does. It will take you from looking at Jesus as the great I am to he was. He was the God who had my back. He was the provider. He he was the person, the bringer of hope. He was. They said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And then verse 20, he goes on and they say, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to condemn to death and they crucified him. You know what's interesting about this passage of scripture? Rome, the culture, was involved in crucifying Jesus. But these people said, no, nah, it was the, the priest. It was the religious leaders. I think so many times we can say, you know, this uh, progressive culture is trying to destroy Christianity. This uh, progressivism, provisivism, <laughs> I don't even know all the words that we describe our culture, but now it was the church people. And there's the one who kills Jesus. They say it wasn't Rome. It wasn't the media. It wasn't the culture. It was the religious people. It was the leadership that took out Jesus. And I think we have to understand that Jesus promised you and I that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We have got to stop blaming culture for the condition of a broken church. It is the leadership and those who refuse to be leaders. The reason why the world is the way the world is, is not because evil people do everything. It's because good people do nothing. The reason why the world is the way it is, is that if I announced to come right now here to church or especially as things get a little safer, this place used to be packed wall to wall. We were thinking about maybe having to add a campus and a location to make room for the people. But when we have Zooms for builders, we definitely don't have to have 3,000 people say there's a Oasis home and 300 say, I want to build that. Mm -hmm. I really believe 
that the issue in the world is that we need more light. Darkness has to yield to light. And Jesus says that we're the light of the world. We don't have a darkness problem. We have a light problem. Jesus also says we are the salt of the earth. You know what salt was used for back then? To preserve something that would naturally spoil without the salt. So we can't blame the world if the church isn't doing its job. And, and I love the fact that they said, no, nah, it was the religious people could have stopped this and they didn't. Matter of fact, the religious people had a choice between Barabbas and Jesus. And they picked this criminal named Barabbas. And they could have picked Jesus and Jesus would have been set free. But they were so blinded by their religious traditions that they, they, they couldn't pick their Lord and Savior. They had a moment where they could have rescued Jesus and they didn't. And they said, no, send the criminal Barabbas free. And I got to let you know, like I'm Barabbas. I know that I'm in front of the podium. I know that I have this microphone attached. I know that I'm the one sharing the scriptures. But one of the things that I think makes the church weak is we take charismatic leaders that are Barabbas and we pick them over Jesus. And when those leaders let us down, when those leaders, we find bad news about those leaders, then the good news doesn't affect our lives anymore. But they were Barabbas the whole time. And so, yes, I should be accountable for my integrity and I should be accountable for the way that I lead and my character. And I hate the fact how many of you have been hurt by church leaders. But that hurt, if it's running so deep that you can't be involved in church and you can't connect, it might be because there's a moment where you chose Barabbas because you thought Barabbas was Jesus. And I really believe as we take responsibility personal responsibility for what our world is going to look like through the power of the resurrection working in us, this city, this world, this nation is going to change. My dad, we were talking about all the, the racial stuff happening. And he says, the time is where we just need to listen to people. If you have friends who are people of color and that stuff's on the news, call up a friend. If you have a friend who's conservative and they feel like they're getting canceled, call up a friend. You have an Asian friend, call up a friend. You, stuff that's going on on the border, you have a Hispanic friend, call a Hispanic friend, call a black friend. The black friend, call the white friend. Let's, let's call each other. And my dad said, we need to, a time where we would listen. But after that time is over, he said, we need to take responsibility. Yeah. I'm like, dad, that is so wise. Come on, Larry Lowe. <laughs> Larry Lowe in the house. They didn't blame the world or the culture. They said, man, it was a religious leader's responsibility. And verse 21 said, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Verse 22 says, then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report that we didn't believe. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone. Just as the women had said, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What? Jesus was resurrected and then he just led a Bible study? <laughs> explaining all the scriptures 
the things concerning himself. The Bible doesn't mention how long they were there, but what they do know is that he broke down every scripture in the Old Testament talking about himself. Everyone. Can you imagine what would happen in your life if I preached this message to you and instead of just going to brunch and sitting on a patio outdoors that's like really indoors because it's in a tent, but you can eat outdoors, indoors, as long as it's outdoors. Instead of doing that, you studied every scripture in the Old Testament about Jesus. Until that revelation got so deep in your heart, you could actually live a resurrected life. Jesus led a Bible study. I think so many times when we, we talk about Jesus and we say, what would Jesus do? We think Jesus just walked around loving people. No, he also told the truth. Jesus led Bible studies. He didn't compromise the truth in order to love people. And if we're not careful, we can do that. We can compromise the truth in order to love people. Why? Because we've been so deeply hurt by people who compromise love in order to tell the truth. And there's a balance between doing both of those things. And if we're not careful, we can swing from the pendulum from one end here where people who have no love in their heart just say the truth, the truth, the truth. And we have people with no truth in their heart saying love, love, love. Without the truth, there can be no love. And without love, there can be no truth. And so he broke down all the scripture. That was a long Bible study. I bet they're getting sleepy. Jesus is unpacking every scripture in the Old Testament that pointed to himself. Next verse says, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So we went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. Wait, wait, you have Jesus in your house and you have no idea who he is until he breaks the bread. I find that to be interesting. Was it the bread after he blessed it became so holy? The bread, that's some anointed bread. This must be Ezekiel bread. This ain't no home pride because the bread made them recognize who Jesus was. I just, I don't know why the breaking of the bread. Maybe uh, some Bible scholars believe that it could be the power of communion. And some Bible scholars believe that it is possible if you take like a, the type of bread that they would have had when he would have grabbed the bread and he would have blessed it. Some Bible scholars believe that when he broke it, they would see the nail marks because he would break it like this. And some Bible scholars believe that it could be the potential that the wounds in his hands let them know that it was Jesus. We do know that a man named Thomas asked to see his wounds to prove that he was God. What if this is a season where we have to stop being addicted to showing people our blessings to prove that God is with us? And what if by breaking bread with each other, breaking bread with the church community, breaking bread in intimacy, that people can see our wounds? And say, oh, you're not perfect. That happened to you and you still believe? What if in breaking bread with people in intimacy, literally sharing a meal, if you come to our builders meeting, you're going to be here. One of our uh, uh, 
family values is we're going to be eating together. What if in the moment that he ate with somebody and he broke the bread, they were close enough and intimate enough. They didn't recognize him when they were trying to get somewhere and he showed up. So many of us, that is our faith. We're trying to go somewhere and God is with us just walking along, asking us questions and we're telling them how we feel and everything happened. But it wasn't until they sat down with Christ in intimacy. And by the way, when he broke the bread, that would have gone against the tradition of what happened in the home. He would he would not have been. Bread. That was the 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 host job. So Jesus went in their home and hosted them. And I think so many times we want to host people. We want to come here and host Jesus. And Jesus said, I Moving forward, I read this verse and Jesus said, y'all are going to be having a lot of gatherings from this day forward. I'm the host. I'm going to decide how I want this to go. I'm going to be the one that reaches people. I'm going to be the one that convicts people. I'm going to be the one that gives people hope. I'm going to be the one that shows them grace. I'm going to be the one that leads them to the truth by the power of my Holy Spirit. I'm the host. You're not the host anymore. And it says that that moment, Jesus disappeared. <laughs> I love Jesus. He's just gone. Just disappeared. Just poof. Just ghosted him. The Holy Ghost ghosted him. <laughs> Ain't that something? Verse 32 says they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a resurrection and a rerouting. You should never hear the good news about Jesus, that he came, that he died and he was resurrected. You should never hear about the resurrection and it doesn't create a rerouting. One of the things that I believe this time next year, there's going to be a lot of people who are gathering for Resurrection Sunday 2022, but they would have been rerouted from 2021. Jesus is going to show up in your life and change your path, reroute you to all the things that he has for you, reroute you to grace, reroute you to true love, not the world's definition of love where you can do whatever you want and people accept it. No, but Christ's love that he came, he died, he was resurrected so that you could be with God. It creates a, a rerouting. And um, that song that Carrie Underwood um, has. I know it. Never heard it. I can honestly say I've never heard a Carrie Underwood song from start to finish. And I'm going to go home and listen to a Carrie Underwood song just to say I did it. But she had that song, Jesus Take the Wheel. And like, I feel like if we're not careful, Jesus takes the wheel, but we're backseat driving, like make a left. <laughs> make a right. Wait, wait, why are you driving so slow? You know, you have backseat driver or we ask him to get in the carpool lane so we can get there quicker. And I think, honestly, Jesus is just saying, hey, I, I got it. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. You know, I believe that there are three things that needed to be rerouted in our church and in our church family as we hear about the story of resurrection. And the first thing that needs to be rerouted is simply this phrase. This needs to be rerouted, this thought, this mindset. God can only use me if everybody knows me. That needs to be rerouted. We say that all the time. Oh, I just want to do music. No, you don't. You do music. Nobody knows you do music. I just want to do this thing or start a business. Do you? 
God can use you if nobody knows you. God himself was being used and they didn't know who he was. And the mightiest miracle that ever happened, most people didn't even know that Christ was Christ. God can only use me if everybody knows me. That has to be rerouted to just simply, God, will you use me? I want to humble myself. doesn't matter if I'm known for it. Man, uh, one, of my, uh, one of the best pastors you will ever find told me that, um, that God told him he was going to be the greatest teacher there ever was, the greatest teacher of God's word there ever was. And he says he started to like visualize like how many people he would reach and how many people he would preach to. And he said, then God said to him, I didn't tell you people would know it <laughs> like that is so good. We got to reroute this thought that God can only use me if everybody knows me. And the second thing I believe in our thinking that needs to be rerouted is we need to understand that detours are often by design. Detours are often by design. When God takes you off the, the beaten path, the, the road less traveled, if you will, I think so many times we, we think that um, uh, the Bible is or, or that Jesus is just so inclusive. And let me tell you, he is inclusive. Everyone who comes to him and confesses in their mouth, with their mouth and believes in their heart will be saved. But he does not forsake his truth in order to include. So what I'm saying is, is that the detours are often by design. Even the detours where you go and you're with the wrong person. Sometimes the detours are believing the wrong things. Some, the detours are by design and God uses those detours. The, you know, the Bible says that as we follow God, he makes the crooked paths straight. Well, what's the difference between a crooked path and a straight path? They go the same direction, but one takes longer. So God wants to accelerate the grace and the favor and the blessing on your life. And he often does it by adjusting the path, not your gift and your talent, not where you go, but the road you take to get there. Jesus met two people that we don't even know their names and God used them and is using them thousands of years later to tell you the detours are by design. Both the God can only use me if everybody knows me and the detours are often by design are in the same passage of scripture we just read. And the third, I believe, school of thought that we're gonna have to have rerouted is that we are not just church members, we are church builders. We don't come to watch, we come to build. I, I really believe how dishonoring it would be that a Roman soldier picked up a hammer and hammered a nail in Jesus' hand a nail in nails in Jesus feet. And Christ allowed him to do that so that one day you could be in this moment saying, God, how can I serve? Where can I be? What can I do? Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I feel like that God wants us to come together and unite and to build. Jesus said this in Matthew 21 verse 42, Jesus asked him, didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So either way, you're a builder. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This scripture is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. 
We're going to be uh, in this series for the next probably 10 weeks called Foundations and Christ is the foundation. But you notice this passage of scripture. He did not say, hey, you're a builder if you come to church. He just said the stones that the builders rejected. So he put everyone in the category of builders. But there were two categories, builders that accepted Christ and builders that rejected him. So either way, you're a builder who's rejecting God and what Jesus is trying to do, or you're a builder that's accepting it. And I would imagine that Jesus makes a mighty fine carpenter. Oh, he was a carpenter. Isn't that weird? That even God gave Jesus the job that I'm asking you. Because God never does anything without doing it himself. So even he had the occupation of a builder. What if we change the name of our church to Christ Carpenters? That's terrible. It'll still be Oasis, but you get the point. The point is you have a significant opportunity to build God's house. And the final thing that needs rerouting on this day of resurrection is simply this. If we know where we want to go without knowing what we believe, we may never get there. If we know where we want to go without knowing what we believe, we may never get there. Uh, Pastor Philip sent me uh, an article that would suggest that up to 70 percent of Christians don't even know what they believe. They don't know the Bible to be to be true. They think that the Bible is flawed. And when I say flawed, they, they mean that this scripture, the ones that they like, quite honestly, are true. And the ones that they don't, um, that's just men are fallible and they don't. They don't know what the Great Commission is, that we're supposed to be making disciples. And so I don't want to just tell you God's going to do it. He's going to take you there and you don't know what you believe. And so part of this series on foundations is that we're going to know what we believe. We know where we're going. Favor, blessing. It's going to be fire, y'all. But we might not get there if we don't know what we believe. And so this is not the series to check out because it doesn't have a cute sermon. It's just foundations. We're going to know what we believe so we can get where God wants us to go. And the first thing that you simply needed to believe right here today on this very first day of this series foundation is that Christ came, he lived and he died and he took your wrath on the cross. Those nails were supposed to be in our hands and our feet and they were in Jesus. And they even told him on the cross, pull yourself down from the cross and prove your God. But that moment was not about proving it was God. He was God. It was about proving he loved you and I. So with nails in his hands and nails in his feet, but with you in his heart, he died. And the power of God resurrected him. And the Bible says that he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And Ephesians 1 says we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. God views you and I in the same way he views Jesus because of the sacrifice. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. And for thousands of years, people killed their own animals, shed blood. There was blood covenants where they would cut their own hands and whatever. And nobody's blood was good enough for forgiveness to be permanent except for Jesus. And God, Jesus was emptied. Some Bible scholars say that he wouldn't have had an ounce of blood 
left in his body. He was bruised for our transgressions, pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The things that we do and the things that we think about doing, Christ died for them all. And all he needs you to do is say, I believe. Without that, we are nothing. We have nothing. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, without love, we are nothing and we have nothing. So this is deeper than even just faith. This is receiving Christ's love for you. So right now, I just want to pray for someone that needs to receive that, that message from heaven. The good news that Jesus came, he shed his blood. And I want you to just put your hand over your heart and repeat after me. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I haven't gotten it right, but I know that today is about honoring you for the sacrifice you made so that I can have forgiveness, be forgiven of my sins, and have relationship with my Father in heaven. From this day forward, I am a follower of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Men, not bad for an empty room, y'all. I have nobody here except for two or three people to amen me. And guess what? I'm telling you, I believe that I'm not gonna give a date because y'all gonna hit me up. I thought you said it was gonna be by June, but I actually gave the date on accident. Damn. <laughs> but I believe in the next few months, this place is gonna be wall to wall with our families, the laughter of children and the laughter of adults at my jokes. And I'm reminded of Psalm 126. And Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 are called the Psalms of Ascent. And Bible scholars believe they sang these songs as they went into the 15 steps. It's 15 Psalms and some Bible scholars believe they sang these 15 Psalms. So on each step they would sing one of the Psalms. And Psalm 120 says, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Isn't it interesting, 2020 was a year of distress. Psalm 120 says, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. But Psalm 126 says this, in the days where the Lord restored our captivity, we were like those who dream. I believe in the next couple of months, this house will be filled once again with dreamers worshiping and praising God for all that he's done. And I can't wait to see it. And so for the first time in 58 weeks, I get to say, I love you so much and I'll see you soon.